Welcome to Extraordinary People, the podcast that highlights people who inspire others, have made significant contributions to the world, or who have overcome adversity. This show is hosted by Shirley Bogtel, author, educator, wife, mother, and grandparent. Learn more and subscribe today at ShirleyWachtel.com. And now, here's my grandma, Shirley Wachtel. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Extraordinary People. Today, I am so happy to have on our program a good friend of mine, Sharon Benjamin. Sharon and I met at Middlesex College a few years back when I noticed that uh, Sharon had written a children's book. And as an author, I was interested in getting to know more about the book and more about her. Well, after we met, boy, did I find out a lot about her because she is truly a woman of many talents. Uh, Sharon Benjamin is a writer, an author, and an exercise enthusiast. She has been participating in some degree of exercise most of her life. She now presents a Facebook Live aerobic session Monday through Friday, 6 a.m., and the Facebook page, Randall Sharon Benjamin. Sharon overcame an addiction more than 20 years past. She credits her consistent exercise and healthy eating habits for maintaining her recovery. So Sharon, welcome today. Thank you, Shirley. It's nice to be here. Sharon, I, as I mentioned, I know so much about you, I thought. Um, I know that you're, you are an author and you've uh, spoken about um, uh, marriage and how to main, maintain a good marriage. You're married for how many years is it now, you and Randall? 36. We just 36. celebrated 36 years. Yes, just 36 years. Okay. <laughs> and going strong and going oh, strong. Yes. And yes. Um, Sharon, as do I, she's got three grown sons. Um, yes. And just, uh, you know, married and just in wonderful careers. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm sure that um, the way she and Randall raised those boys in a home that fostered um, their creativity and and where religion played a big part in that. And I think all of that helped to um, get them to where they are today. So, you know, kudos for that, Sharon. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Uh, and so, but it was recently that I found out something else about your background that I was totally mm -hmm. unaware of. Um, and that's that um, when you were younger, you overcame a rather serious eating disorder. And when you did that, that kind of changed the course of your life. So that's what I really want to talk about today. And mm -hmm. perhaps you can give me a little bit of background as to what type of eating disorder you had and um, where did this stem from? I really think, Shirley, I grew up on a farm, and I don't think that had anything to do with my eating disorder, but I think it had to do with the way that we ate and what we ate. And sugar was something that was always around. It was probably at every meal in some form or another. And my daddy 
uh, for a while actually worked as a short order cook. So he knew how to cook different things. And there were times when there was no dessert. Daddy would whip up something, you know, a pudding, they call it a pudding or something just to have. And, you know, we grew sorghum, which we made molasses. So we had we had heavy breakfasts whenever we could afford it. But we would have, you know, the the molasses. And I never knew until I moved to the to Washington, D.C. Actually, I guess that was the time that rice was actually eaten for dinner because we had we had rice for breakfast and it was floating with butter and sugar. So I think I think that was really where it started and it just persisted. And, 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 and you came was, from a, you come from a big family as well. A large yes, a large family. There were uh, thirteen children in my family, and all well, you know, with thirteen children, it was almost as if two different groups grew up separately. You know, there was some overlap with the middle group, but the younger ones, the, the younger ones were actually young enough to be my older siblings' children. Hmm. So yes, there was a large family. So we, you know, we raised a lot of what we ate and uh, grew the vegetables and et cetera. But sugar was a big thing. It was almost unheard of when we could afford it that my mother did not have desserts in the freezer. So when someone came to visit, it was easy for her to take something out of the freezer. And for holidays, we had, you know, the large meals, lots of baking. My mother would start baking days ahead and we had cakes and pies and you name it. So it was it, eating was a big thing. And as and I what said, part of, what part of the country uh, are you from? I'm from Tennessee, Jackson, mm-hmm. Tennessee, right between Memphis and Nashville. Mm-hmm. And delicious just, southern southern <laughs> treats. You know. Yes, yes, all the time. And that's just it was. I don't think we thought about it being any problem. I've I had always had some degree of weight concern. I remember once being on the front porch and one of my mother's sisters was there. And I guess I was a teenager at the time. I remember saying something then about wanting to lose 20 pounds. Mm. So it's it's always been a something for me. And I look back at some of my pictures from college and I see my face and I think, wow, or think Hmm. about, you know, looking at some of the other pictures and thinking, oh my goodness. So it's hard for me to imagine because you're quite (laughs) slender today, you know, well, I tell you, you have to get into my imagination for this. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I was thinking just not too long ago about, you know, before I started teaching on the college level, I was in the elementary school and, you know, sometimes you have these weight loss contests. And I remember getting on the scale in the nurse's office and the secretary, you know, checking the weights as we, and she said, you don't look like you weigh 150 pounds. Hmm. <laughs> and it's just, and I think about it now, wow, oh my goodness. So it was, it's always been an issue without, I guess, you know, without my thinking about it to that degree uh, until, until that fateful day. So it's, it's been a concern. And when you look back at, at my family, at some of the weight issues and 
I say weight issues, but it's really an eating issue and an exercise issue, I think. Mm-hmm. So at what point did you realize, hey, I, I've got to do something about this? I guess it was in the, so I got started you mentioned the the so the addiction got started in the late 70s actually or about mid 70s i guess when someone told me about using laxatives to get rid of weight so mm-hmm. i would binge so i would binge and purge mm-hmm. and it 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 went on for years even after i got married it went mm-hmm. on for years and i think that um it was uh, as you mentioned in the intro, over 20 years ago, when I realized, oh, my God, this is I'm, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to kill myself. Mm-hmm. And what's so interesting, Shirley, is that even with my binging and purging, it wasn't that I was actually losing weight, but I was actually still eating, still just right. binging and and purging, but not really losing the weight, you know, because when you do the purging, you're losing a lot of water and potassium and the nutrients and everything that you need. So it's affecting your body adversely. So you were, you were a full blown bulimic. Oh, well, you know, uh, I guess you could say that Mm -hmm. because I, it was really, you know, the article that I wrote, uh, talking about a drug addict, and I guess I never thought of myself as being one, but that's that was the same kind of operation in the practice of a drug addict, such as buying, you know, a whole package of cookies or six pack of ice cream cones and mm-hmm. eating, you know, when I'm out by myself, eating as much of it as I could and throwing away the rest in the garbage. So nobody would know that I had eaten that. Yeah. So, so you, you, would you say that you were a closet eater like so many people with this kind of addiction are? I think so. Because as I said, it was like a drug addict buying and hiding, buying and sneaking around and doing whatever I needed to do. So nobody would know. Mm-hmm. When we first moved to this area, Randall worked late night and l- afternoon and late night. So the boys were little and I would sometimes, you know, I would bake a batch of cookies and eat when I put the boys to bed, eat most of them before Randall got home mm-hmm. and hide the rest in the freezer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would it was nothing for me to eat a whole pint of ice cream myself. Right. And this is this this is really crazy. A couple of two of our sons are allergic to nuts. Mm-hmm. So this is crazy. I would deliberately buy ice cream that had nuts in it yeah. so that I could have it. Right. So it was just really crazy that I would do that. And the real the real change came, as you said, over 20 years ago. When I realized, oh, my God, I'm going to kill myself. I don't know if you remember the story of Lenny Baez, who was the second pick for the Boston Celtics in 1986, if I remember correctly. Right. But two days later, he died of a a cocaine overdose. Right. Right. And and I thought to myself with, you know, because cocaine gives the hard rush from what I've read and it just 
it's just too much for the heart to take. So when I was doing the binging and purging, I there were times when I would take, I don't even know how many of the pills I would take, probably eight or 10. I don't know, but what that does to your body is it gives that kind of rush. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember the last time I did that, And Randall was not home. I had put the boys to bed. I don't know what I had eaten that day. I have no idea. But I remember thinking with the way my heart was going, it was so frightening. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to die. And that was that was a real turning point for me. And I I've just never taken any more ever again. It's a wake up call. The wake wake up up call, call. a Mm -hmm. tough wake up call. And, you know, I've, I've always, I shouldn't say always, but I've been interested in exercising even before Randall and, got, and I got married, even in this, before I got out of college. And, but I wasn't as faithful in doing so. And when our boys were little and after they started to elementary school, because I was a stay-at-home mom for most of their early years until our youngest son was maybe third or fourth grade. So I actually, I started jogging and I'm not a fast runner, but, but I would jog and I started out with, when they were little, I would have them in the backyard, having them riding their bikes. And I would just run around the yard all the way around the back and the front yard, Mm. just, just that. And also when I would pick them up from school, I remember asking the principal when they were in the elementary school, if I could run around the yard, the schoolyard, while I was waiting for the boys. Right. And it just, it, it progressed. Um, but so now I exercise almost every day. Oh, yes. Yes. I see you on Facebook. <laughs> You're going fast. <laughs> but, but so, you know, when, when you had this wake-up call, did you make a slow kind of change to this evolve or did you just say, no, no more. I'm just changing my eating habits. Now I'll start exercising. And also, did you, did you tell people about this? Or was this just something that was, was your, the wheels in your head were going around. So I'm curious it, if you had any kind of, you know, therapeutic help to help, uh, get you through this. I did not. It was, you know, Randall exercises and he's been exercising even before we got married as well. In fact, uh, for a while when the boys were little, I worked part time and Randall would actually take the boys to the health club with him. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, you know, I didn't go to any therapist or anybody, anything. It was, and I guess maybe because part of my, part of my training, my undergrad is actually home economics. So part mm-hmm. of the, the nutrition piece and that kind of thing and what I learned and had read, et cetera, et cetera, was just, I decided to do it myself. And for a long time, I, you know, as I said, I grew up on a farm and we ate everything, Shirley, you name it, we ate it. And at some point, you know, I'm not a vegetarian, but I rarely eat any meat. And that's been going on for years. And I don't even remember when I stopped eating meat for the most as a practice. I don't remember when, but that's something my, my diet now 
or is mainly plant-based and we rarely eat out. I cook my own, whatever we eat for the most part. And from my home training, you know, we, we would put up food for the winter, etc. So I cook a lot of almost everything that we eat and just make batches and put it in the freezer. Like I just right. finished. A and batch I've asked of- you for some of your recipes too, <laughs> because it looks really good. Yes. Yes. So that's, yeah. that's what I do. And that's what I do now. And it's interesting, Shirley, that when I consistently exercise, I don't crave the sweets mm-hmm. and I don't. And one of the things I rarely do as well is I rarely bake because I still like to have desserts. I still do. And it's interesting that Randall and I have said now for years, there's this bakery near us and I would buy the muffins almost every day, buy a muffin every day. I'd only eat the top for the most part, but almost every day. And the price keeps going up. Of course. So I said, <laughs> I I think I started when I started buying them. They were like a dollar twenty five. Now they're two fifty. And so I said, I said, okay, you know what? That's too expensive. I'm going to make banana bread, and I'll just you know slice it and put it in the freezer, and we'll just have it you know a little bit at a time. Well, let me just tell you, that bread doesn't last very long. <laughs> so. <laughs> doesn't last very long. And something else, I I like my mother made biscuits and she would make the delicious yeast rolls, which I do sometimes, but it's really rare because again, I love that stuff. So I can't, I I make sure it's not in the house. And one of the things we, we've never done, even when our boys were little, we rare, we don't keep junk food or, you know, the snacks and M&Ms and candy mm-hmm. bowls and et cetera. We don't keep those in the house. So that's another way to try to make sure I'm not eating the stuff and just putting it in my face. So and I and I just deliberately don't buy it. And if we want to have something sweet, we'll you know, maybe have a little something. But that's it. So I try to avoid it. And again, try to make sure I'm exercising, which, as I Mm. said, is a really big piece because I have noticed that when I consistently exercise and I don't know how that works scientifically or biologically, but I don't crave the sweets. Mm -hmm. And and that really somehow it works. I don't know how that works, but Um, but it works for me. So would you say that it was like you gave up at that at that moment when you had kind of an epiphany and you just gave it up or was it, did you give up some things and not others or like, I'm just curious because, you know, there are people out there who are struggling with these um, issues. And, uh, and so, you know, what the method that worked best for you, how would you describe it? I guess you could call it cold turkey. Cold turkey. Mm-hmm. It was just, no, it, that was the moment because, and I don't remember everything I thought about, but I'm thinking that I might have even considered the fact, oh my God, my boys are here, they're young, and what happens if I die? Right. It was, it was, a, it, surely it was a frightening feeling, really. 
yeah. to to feel your heart going like that and thinking, mm-hmm. oh my God, what is, I feel like I'm going to die. My heart was rushing so much. Right. It's amazing that something didn't happen to me. Mm-hmm. And it, it was scary. It really was. So you've probably heard of the the prison program scared straight. Yes. And sure. I guess, so yeah. I guess that was the moment. Mm-hmm. That was the You almost straight. needed that moment. Oh my goodness. Change your was, lifestyle. Yes, it was terrible. So I think I was scared straight. Mm-hmm. So is I just don't I just don't do that anymore. And even when I go places, you know, have events, have out uh, events, weddings, etc., birthday parties, I try to really watch what I eat. Right. And um but you, you allow know, yourself some some it, times, it, you know, a little sweet something oh, or yes, other. You know, yes. you don't you're you're not kind of um in need starving myself time, of it. Sounds that's like that's right. Exactly. So you know what? And I don't beat myself up if I I think my favorite I should I don't know if it's my favorite, but candy bars, I I don't know if you're familiar with baby Ruth's. Those oh, sure. were <laughs> <laughs> sure. I remember those, they were huge and they cost a dime when I was a kid. I was like, may I have a dime? So mm-hmm. they were huge. And uh, I guess I graduated to the Snickers and, you know, I don't deprive myself. If there is, if I want to have a candy bar, sometimes I will have one. Or if I want to have some ice cream, sometimes I will. Mm-hmm. But it's just that, you know, if, if I buy some for home, it's a small container so that Randall and I, that's it. We're not having any more. Buy a muffin. But I don't keep it in the house so that I can just keep going to it. And I don't right. crave it like that. But, yeah, I, I give myself the uh, permission to actually enjoy life. I'm not going to stop doing that. It's just that I'm not going to go back to the way it was because at some point, perhaps when we get back together, you can see some of those pictures, but uh, it feels much better. It feels much better to be you know, eating properly and exercising and not having that guilt feeling. You know, right. I've, I've eaten this half, three quarters of this package of cookies and I'm driving around. Let me see where can I find a garbage can to throw out the rest, clean my mm-hmm. mouth so nobody knows. That's yeah. an addiction. That's an addict. Mm-hmm. That's that's what that is. And that's not a good thing to be right. sneaking it's around. Like you're, it's almost like you've been living a lie and now you can be your true self and proud of that. Exactly, exactly. Because yes, it was living a lie and just nobody knowing and you're carrying that yourself. Um, And, you know, I think what's so fascinating, too, is, you know, we often talk about, well, what are the root causes? Are you are you filling a need from a bad childhood or um, where you did you have some kind of traumatic experience or is it just genetics? You you uh, just part of who you are, your biology. But you're saying this is this was your conditioning as you grew up. And yes. you had to kind of recondition yourself to to proper eating habits. Well, also, yeah. And I 
my family, my family has a propensity to addictions. Mm -hmm. So it's on both sides of the family, on my mother and father's side, to the point that, you know, there maybe it wasn't food. In some cases it is or was and still is, but it's also alcohol. It's also uh, the um, nicotine. And I've seen that in, in relatives in my lineage on both sides. And it's, I'm just grateful that I never (laughs) started any of the other stuff because I can only imagine with the propensity for addiction. And I've, I've spoken with uh, at least one of my siblings who is no longer, it it wasn't the heart drugs or anything. It was just the alcohol and, and, um, nicotine. But, you know, the way I was with sugar is no different. And and as far as I know, as far as I'm concerned, it that addiction is no different than what someone else does with an addiction. Because from what I understand, you know, the addict hides and does whatever he or she can to get whatever drug it is the person needs. And Laxatives, those are drugs. It's just that I didn't have to, you know, find a dealer on the corner or have the dealer drop it off to me or anything of that sort. They're free. I mean, you can go and buy them over the counter anywhere without any problem, without even thinking about what's going to happen. Will this drug deal go bad? What's going to happen to me? None of that comes to mind. None of that comes into play. Mm-hmm. None of that happens if, you know, you're an alcoholic and you have to go to the liquor store or you buy the whatever it is you buy that's, mm-hmm. you know, the nicotine. It's there. Right. So it, it to me, it is an addiction. It really is. And you just can't um, say that it isn't. And you have to face it. One of my one of my young relatives who passed away some years, oh, probably five, six maybe by now. But he was an alcoholic and he had double amputee. He was a young man and I didn't, I don't know much about alcohol, but uh, my brother said the reason being is because there is so much sugar. And that's why people, you know, if you have that propensity, that's why you go for it. So, and and I've seen it different situations in terms of the alcohol addiction or the nicotine on both sides and even in my immediate family. So I know that it, it could have been, it could have been worse for me, but yeah, that moment, Shirley was, this is it. (laughs) Sharon, what advice would you give someone? um, Because You've you've certainly, you know, come out of this and, you know, you're a shining example of someone who's learned to uh, conquer a food addiction. So what advice would you give someone who says, you know what, today's the day I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to change my eating habits. I'm going to start exercising. So can you specifically maybe tell us what you eat? you know, what your meals consist of during a day, a a particular day. And also, 
um, what types of exercise um, would you recommend? Well, if someone, first of all, as I do on my exercise session, I put a disclaimer. I think people should always, always, always check with their medical professionals. That wasn't something that I did, but just because I'm doing the exercise session and sometimes I share recipes, I want to put that disclaimer because I don't have any training in exercise science or the little nutrition that I have from my general home economics uh, degree, I don't think would really qualify me to say this is what you should do, but these are some things that I have done. So people should really talk to their medical professionals, the doctor, the dietitian, nutritionist, And what's so good, Shirley, now is, and I don't know how long it's been going on, but um, healthcare providers actually encourage people to actually participate in nutrition programs and exercise programs. In fact, there are some, maybe all of them now, I don't know, but some of the healthcare providers actually give certain discounts and other uh, privileges for people who actually participate. But um, as I said, I'm not a vegetarian, but I eat, rarely eat meat, but I eat a lot of fruit, a lot of nuts. I make my, I make kale soup. There's a cabbage dish that I make and I will either, and, and, and beans are excellent. So I'll either, you know, an egg and I do still eat cheese and I make the batch of kale soup, uh, the cabbage dish, the beans that I can add to it. I make my own uh, cornbread, cornbread fritters that I that I include chopped vegetables and certain Get cheeses in. <laughs> <laughs> so time for dinner, yeah. <laughs> so I I do that and and I rarely I just and I when I. I, I make my own popcorn too, Shirley. I still do that uh, on top of the stove kind of popcorn, not a popcorn popper, the old time, right. which is, in my opinion, much better. But at any mm-hmm. rate, so I do that. And as I said, I try to exercise every day. And you mentioned the exercise session that I do. And I do that most days. And I also walk. Sometimes I'll walk three to 10 miles. It just depends on how much time I have for that particular day. But I realize I just need to do it. I have to do it and I have to maintain. And it it just helps me with my thinking and movement and just a better outlook. Yes, all the way around. All the way around. Of this, um, something that's been popularized these days, intermittent fasting. And is it not better to have three meals a day, a good breakfast, you know, lunch and dinner? What What's your opinion on that? You know, I don't know. And I don't know a lot about that, but I don't know what that would actually do to the body. I'm not sure about the the process and how that actually works. But I know for me, I have to, my body, I have to have something to eat in the mornings. And I still do something else I do, Shirley. I used to have a horrible bout of seasonal allergies in the spring and in the fall to the point that I would have to go to bed. I remember leaving school because of the allergy bout. But so, and I started using ginger and I buy the ginger root and I 
you know, wash it, peel it, cook it, and keep the water. I store the water in the refrigerator and I use it every day. I use it in my tea. I use it when I cook my soup. I use it for almost everything that I cook. It's good I for have stomach some, ailments too. Yes, yes. And I, I have it every day, sometimes more than once a day. But for the last, I don't even remember how many years, I have not had those allergy bouts. I have not had the flu. I don't know how it works, but somehow it works. And I, I've never taken the flu shot and I don't have those allergy bouts. And But but when I, I notice that, if I go, it's kind of like, you know, the electrical circuit for a while, the power is still there, but the longer it's separated, there is less likely that the power will connect. So that same analogy, if for some reason I am in a situation where I can't get my ginger, I start to feel the sickness and it, you know, with the head and the whole bit. I remember I was in Tennessee on an occasion a few years past, and I was down there for a few days. And for a while, I did not have my ginger therapy is what I call it. And I started to feel the the usual with the allergy effect. But I do that every day. And as I said, I use it in my in my cooking. And well, that's go ahead. That's basically what I do. And I don't have any any particular um, eating other than, as I said, I have to have I have to eat in the mornings. I have to have something, whether it's toast and juice and or my tea. And I eat a lot of nuts. I buy the raw ones and I roast them myself. And, you know, certain there's this type of bread that Randall likes and I eat some of it sometimes it's this whole grain bread. Mm -hmm. And they said, I still, I still eat eggs and it's, that's basically it. I, I, I have, I usually have kale soup and, or, and, or some type of beans and the, or the cabbage mixture that I make every day. Every day. Hmm. Well, Sharon, <laughs> next <laughs> next time we're not going to meet for lunch <laughs> in Carabas. I think I'm coming to your house. Hey, that, that's fine. You know what, Shirley, it's so interesting. Sometimes I'll give some to our son and his wife. And the and the kids like it. I'm like, yes, at least they. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well, Sharon, the th this it. has this has been so fascinating for me and and for our listeners. I believe, if um, someone um, wants to follow you on the exercise, um, how could they do that? Just go to Facebook, and the Facebook page is Randall Sharon Benjamin. And the, it's on every Monday through Friday, 6 a.m., 6 a.m. So I have to get up like 5 o'clock to make sure I'm, I'm ready. But 6 a.m., Monday through Friday. And there are times I do it on the weekends as well. And when I do, I let people know that I'll be doing one. But it's basically Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. EST. Fantastic. And, you know, I've always admired you, but that admiration has grown tenfold today. So thank you so much for being my guest today on Extraordinary People. 
Thank you, Shirley. Thanks for listening to this episode of Extraordinary People. To learn more about Shirley Wachtel and to subscribe to the show, head to ShirleyWachtel.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time on Extraordinary People. Extraordinary People.